so a couple of years ago, um, I was uh, I, I was driving, and uh, it was it was winter, uh, and you know you know how the winter roads can be, you know, as we're currently experiencing, and. Uh, and uh, the week before, I had driven through this like massive snowstorm, uh, and so I, as I'm driving this uh, this other time, I, I'm uh, maybe a, a little overconfident, shall we say, in, in my own abilities. And uh, I'm driving along, and I just happened to have this this set of circumstances that that all came together at the right moment, where uh, there was some snow that had drifted across the road, and I hit that just as a transport truck coming the other way, the blast of wind off the front of the truck. I started to fishtail and, you know, overcompensated and ended up spinning out my car. And there was this profound moment of peace where I'm sitting in my car going backwards at 80 kilometers an hour. And, and I had this just moment of pure peace and calm because I realized I am in no way in control of this situation. And whatever happens now, it's just going to happen. So I just, I, I had this bizarre moment where I'm like, I should be panicking right now, but I'm completely calm and, and relaxed. Now, the interesting thing that, that I draw from that is, is that uh, a lot of people who uh, either experience uh, a near-death experience with, uh, with drowning, like they, you know, they, they're drowning and they, uh, they get saved at the last moment, or some people who have even actually uh, briefly died and then were resuscitated, a lot of people who drown actually uh, mention the same sort of thing, that as they're drowning, there's this moment where it's just like a, a moment of peace and surrender to what's happening. And I, I, as I've been thinking about this, uh, this series and what Jonah's experience was, was like, I, I often wonder what he experienced as he, was, uh, as he was thrown over the side of the boat, which we talked about last week, and, and as he's sinking into the water. I often wonder what his experience was like. I wonder if he had that moment where everything just kind of became calm and peaceful, or if he just was like freaking out. Uh, I probably would be in the freaking out camp. Um, I am not a big fan of water. And I, I think drowning would just be, like, the worst way to go. But that's just me. Now, this morning, we're actually going to take a look at, uh, we're going to continue looking through the book of Jonah. We're going to talk about chapter 2 today. And we're going to look at Jonah's response uh, to, to God when he is spared from drowning. Now, uh, th this is actually the first uh, of, of two interactions we see uh, with God in this story. So the, the structure of Jonah is, is pretty interesting. Like the, the literary structure we see in the book is, uh, it's, again, it's kind of unique. We talked about some of the unique things uh, last week. But this, uh, this structure, we see in chapter 1, uh, Jonah interacts with some non-Israelites. He interacts with the, the sailors on the boat. Chapter 2, he interacts with God. Chapter 3, he interacts with non-Israelites again, this time the people of Nineveh. And then chapter 4 is uh, another interaction with God. So we see this like ABAB structure. So it's a, an interesting literary device that we see. And so this is the first, uh, the first time we see Jonah interact with God in this story. So uh, if you weren't here last week, you can, uh, you can catch up on, on our website. All of our messages are there. Uh, so if, uh, if you want to go back and listen to that one, you can do that there. Um, and one of the other things we talked about, just to, to give a quick recap for the people who maybe weren't here, uh, one of the things we talked about is uh, I, I had this professor in Bible college who said, there's no such thing as a failure in ministry because you can always be used as a bad example. And, and so 
this is actually kind of what this story is. This is uh, a story that we see uh, this character held up, and he's, uh, he's actually the example of what not to do. Uh, this, uh, this story is actually, it's a satire. And it's, uh, if you're unfamiliar with satire, it's stories about well-known figures that are put in extreme circumstances that use humor and irony to critique their stupidity and character flaws. So we, we actually see, we, as we look at this story and as we read uh, you know, about Jonah, the, this prophet who has a number of flaws and, and doesn't do the things that we expect him to do, uh, we actually see, like through his disobedience, as he's this disobedient prophet, uh, which we talked about last week, uh, we see the things not to do. And we see, but we see at the same time how God uh, still continues to use Jonah through, uh, through, his, through his failure, through his weaknesses. And so uh, this morning as we jump in, uh, as always, if you have any questions or comments, uh, feel free to use the Today's Message uh, tab on uh, promisechurch.community, either on your phone or on the tablet in front of you. And uh, you can send in questions or comments there that we'll get to at the end of the message. Uh, so let's dive into the passage this morning. We're going to read uh, the last bit of chapter 1, just as a recap, and into chapter 2. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I cried out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. Yet again, sh I shall look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you, into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. God, this morning as we, as we listen to your word, as we, uh, as we dig in and think about what you're saying to us this morning, God, I pray that you would, uh, you would illuminate your word to, to us this morning, that we would hear your voice uh, and, and learn from, from the word what you would have us to learn this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So, in this passage, we see, uh, we see this, this scenario that we, we kind of go, okay, but how? A and there's some scholarly debate about the book of Jonah, whether, uh, and there's, there's basically two camps. Uh, there's one camp that says, you know, this is something that absolutely 100% happened. We know Jonah was uh, a person who actually existed. He's referenced elsewhere in the Bible. We know that he was a real person. Uh, and you can, you can read this story and say, yes, this absolutely happened. And uh, it's 100% true. And then there's the other camp that says, yeah, but that's not physically possible. So, that, you know, this, this has to be an allegory. This has to be uh, something that, 
is maybe like a fiction. Uh, maybe maybe part of it's true. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's partly true. Maybe it's all made up. Whatever it is, uh, and, and some people will actually use that uh, use that argument against uh, people who believe in the Bible. People who who take this that they they read this and they go, yeah, but that that's not true. That couldn't have happened. Uh, and, and so there's there's this interesting debate about whether this this story, this part of the story particularly, uh, is whether it's history or whether it's allegory. And uh, and the big the big part of this, the big debate comes from uh, from comes from the fish and whether or not you could survive for three days in the belly of a fish. Now, uh, one of the, one of the interesting things that I, I learned when I was researching this was that we you know, there's, common, there's this common idea that, you know, uh, you hear in kids' stories, you know, Jonah and the whale. And um, it, it's an interesting idea to, to think of, like, okay, the, the fish had to be large enough to actually swallow a human. What is this fish? And so that's why a lot of people think, uh, think it's a whale. Now, the interesting thing here is that the, the word, that the Hebrew word for fish that is used in this story is, is actually, it's the word gar. Uh, and what that actually refers to is not necessarily a fish, not, you know, your typical carp. Uh, it's actually a word that's used to refer to sea creatures in general. And um, what it would actually potentially call to mind uh, is this idea of the Leviathan. And uh, no, I'm not talking about the ride at Wonderland. It, it, this was actually a creature, uh, a mythical creature that is... Uh, that it was kind of a common idea in, in mythology uh, in the, the ancient Near East. Uh, it's actually referenced elsewhere in the Bible that, um, that I believe it's the book of uh, Job refers to Leviathan as God's plaything. And that's actually one of the things that comes out in this story, that as you read through the book of Jonah, you actually see the, uh, one of the themes throughout the book is that God demonstrates his power over creation. So he, he takes, uh, th this is part of it, as we, see, as we saw in chapter one, God sends this storm out on the sea, that as Jonah's on the boat, he, uh, God sends this storm to, to essentially bring Jonah back into where he wants him to be. But then God commissions this sea creature. It actually says God, the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. God is the one that is in control here, and, and he's, he's sending this, whatever sea creature this is, uh, whether it was a whale, whether it was this idea of Leviathan, and God demonstrates his, uh, his power over creation through this. So we get to this point where we, we still go, okay, but, you know, how, how exactly did he survive? And I... I was reading a, a couple of things as I was kind of, again, thinking about this whole idea of, of what it would be like to, to be in the water. What would it be like to, to be drowning like this? And, and kind of the other extreme circumstances that, that people have survived. And I actually came across this story from, uh, from 2013 uh, where uh, a man named Harrison Okene, uh, he was a... He was on a uh, on a boat on off the coast of Nigeria, and something went wrong. They don't know exactly what, but this tugboat that was pulling pulling an oil rig capsized and sank. And um, over the uh, of the of the twelve sailors that were on board, eleven were killed. 
Uh, but Harrison, he was uh, he was in the boat at the time that it sank. He uh, he was actually uh, in his quarters, and uh, he he tried to escape. He tried to get out, and he couldn't make it to an escape hatch. And he uh, basically just tried to get out and, and couldn't. He got trapped somewhere inside the boat. And as the water was was filling up, he. Uh, he was actually a man of faith. He prayed, uh, and he called out to God. And as the water is, is filling up in this cabin that he's in, it actually stopped. Uh, and, and there was enough room for that he could uh, he could sit in the water but have his head above the water. And there was a, a four-foot square bubble of air that was left in this cabin. And uh, so he had, this, he, had, he had this pocket of air, and he had a bottle of Coke. And that was all he had. Uh, and uh, it, it was actually almost exactly three days that he was, uh, he was in this boat, he was in this little pocket of air, and uh, so they knew this, this boat had gone down because there were other boats pulling this oil rig, and, and so they reported it right away, and uh, they got rescue teams out, but unfortunately, um, the other 11 sailors on board were all, uh, were all killed, but the, as they as there were these rescue divers that were there uh, at this point searching for bodies. Um, they had already found and recovered the bodies of several of the other crew members. Um, they found Harrison in the boat, still alive, after three days after this boat went down. And there's actually video of it, and it's mildly terrifying because uh, you see this, it's a, it's a helmet cam from one of the divers, and as he's uh, going through the, the murky water um, you just see this hand floating in front of him, and he goes to like go and recover this body, and the and the hand grabs his hand, and I was like, oh nope, nope. Uh, if I if that was me, I would need a new diving suit. <laughs> but it, it's like it's mildly terrifying. But somehow, against all odds, in this uh, in this crazy scenario, this guy survived for uh, for three days uh, in, in a boat where uh, it had it had capsized, sunk. The pressure uh, that was in the water um, should have killed him. Against all odds, he survived. And, and so it's kind of interesting that we see that, yeah, this is, this is possible. So as we look at it, you can actually look at it and say, yeah, this actually happened. Or you can look at it and you can say, yeah, maybe it's, maybe it's a little bit fictional. Maybe, it's, maybe this entire story is made up. Either way, uh, the point here isn't whether or not you need to prove the, the existence of this, this giant fish that, uh, that it existed and, and saved Jonah, or whether it was something that is something that was made up. Regardless, the point here is what we learn. And so as we look at the story, one of the things that, that we see again and again in this weird upside-down story is that people in this book don't act the way that we expect them to. So we see Jonah, and we talked last week about how he was somebody that we know was already following God. We, we talked a little bit about how, uh, how we look at our, the, the discipleship wheel that we talk about here at Promise Church and, and how he's already, he's already trusted God. He's already following God, and, he, and he's at this point where he's questioning. And so we, we kind of expect him to, to be somebody who's committed, who's there, who's, you know, uh, e- even though at this point he's kind of running away from God, we see for the first time 
in this story, we see Jonah pray. Through, through everything that we've seen him go through so far, through the, the call of God, through running away, through the experience on the boat, um, through all of that, we don't see Jonah pray. And, and it's only at this point in chapter 2 that we, that we actually see him uh, have an interaction with God. Now, this is, of course, in contrast to the sailors who, uh, in chapter 1, they, they immediately cried out to, to their gods. And then when Jonah told them uh, that he was a servant of the living God, they, they called out to God. Uh, and so even, even the sailors, even the pagans, um, have prayed to the Lord. But at this point, we finally see Jonah call out to God. And it's kind of, it's kind of an unexpected type of prayer. I mean, in one way, it is expected. He's, he's very thankful. He, he calls out to God and he says, thank you for sparing my life. I was, it's a little bit melodramatic because he, he's like, I was in the pit of hell, is essentially what this prayer is. And he says, but you saved me. And he goes through and he, and he talks about what God has done for him and, and you know, all of these, these deep, uh, lyrical things where he's saying, God, you have saved me. You have saved my life. Thank you for sparing me. And, and that's kind of where we, we look at this, this and, and go, okay, but there, there are other people involved here. We don't see Jonah at this point pray for the sailors that were on the boat in the storm because, you know, when you're thrown into the sea in, in the middle of a storm, you wouldn't really know what was happening on the surface. So Jonah at this point, uh, maybe I'm reading into this a little bit, but Jonah probably doesn't know that the, the, that the storm has calmed. He probably doesn't know that the sailors are safe at this point. He doesn't pray for them at all. Nor does he pray for the Ninevites, the people that God's called him to go to. Uh, his prayer focuses entirely on himself. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that praying for your needs or thanking God for what he's done for you uh, is a bad thing. It's actually, that's a very good thing to do. But if the pronouns in our prayers are, are primarily me and I, then there's something missing. Or if, you're, if your prayers only happen, if your relationship with God only exists when, when things are good and when God has done something for you, then something's missing there. Or the opposite. If, if your relationship with God only exists when you need something from him, then we've missed the point. And so Jonah, he, he's, he's this self-centered prophet. And, and the interesting thing about this as well is, is you read this prayer and he goes, thank you for saving me. I will go do what you want. But he doesn't actually say that he's sorry. He doesn't, uh, doesn't fully commit. Like, he, he does commit to say, like, you know, what I vowed I will pay. He commits that he's going to go do the thing that God asked him to do. But he never, never apologizes for, for his disobedience. He never apologizes for running. He just says, okay, I'm thankful, and I guess I'll go do what you want. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more next week. But he, he just moves on. And then this final line of his prayer, salvation belongs to the Lord. Uh, it's, a, it's an interesting little bit of foreshadowing. If you've, read the, if you've read the whole book, which I encourage you to do, it's only four chapters, it's not that long. Uh, 
it's a little bit of foreshadowing, but we'll we'll get to that I in the next uh, in two weeks. And then we see, finally, we see God speak to the fish. He says, and God speaks to the fish, and the fish vomits Jonah up onto the dry land. And, and again, we see this interesting contrast between uh, between Jonah and the fish, where God speaks to the fish, and immediately the fish responds and obeys, uh, giving us again this contrast to Jonah, who uh, who so far has been disobedient and self-centered. But the thing that we see through this story, through all of this, uh, one of the, the major themes of the book of Jonah is how God shows compassion. And the obvious one here is that God spares Jonah's life. He saves him and, uh, and gives him a second chance. We see that despite his self-centeredness, God continues to use Jonah. And when we look at this, when we when we, re we read this story as a satire, one of the things that we, uh, that we realize, one of the things that this book calls us to do is we, we look at this character, we go, I'm not like that. But when we truly examine ourselves, sometimes we are. Sometimes we are the self-centered prophet. A and it's easy for us to become self-centered. We're the protagonists of our own stories. It, it's easy to see things from our own perspective and uh, and always want the things for ourselves. And one of the things that happens when, when we commit ourselves to Christ is that God uses, uh, uses the Holy Spirit to take the focus off of us. As we grow in our Christian faith, as we, uh, as we learn and, and grow and, and expand in our knowledge of God, it takes the focus off of ourselves. So, are we imperfect beings? Yeah. We're flawed. We're, we're not perfect. We're, we have the things that we do that we act in, in self-centered ways. But God will continue to use us. He's going to continue to refine us. He's going to continue to use us in our brokenness, despite our flaws. And that's, that's the hope that we have. That as, as we follow God, as we follow Christ, and, and God shapes us more into his character, he takes the focus off of ourselves. He puts it onto the places where it, it should be. He puts the focus on God and on the people around us that, that need to know, that need to, to hear what God wants to say to them as well. So we're imperfect, but God uses us anyway. So I have uh, one message here this morning. Uh, the parallel between Joseph and Jonah being brought out of the pit and God taking something bad and turning it into something good, it's all a part of his greater plan. Absolutely. We, we see this uh, through, through the Lectio this morning and through, through the message. We see God sparing, his sparing the people's lives from, from these crazy situations and, and using it for, uh, for redemptive purposes. Again, as we talked about last week, the sailors uh, heard about God because of, like even through Jonah's disobedience, the sailors heard, uh, heard about God and turned to him and, uh, and were able to, to find redemption in that. And, and God uses us. Even, even in our disobedience, he, he continues to use us. Let's take a look here. Uh, again, Jonah fails to see the big picture. Uh, we can see our own tendencies reflected in Jonah's self-centeredness. Absolutely. It's, uh, and that's kind of the point here. Is this, in this book, we, we, like I said, the satire holds up a mirror in which we see ourselves. And 
as we as we see this, we we can kind of critique him and say like, oh yeah, I'm not like that. But when we really are honest with ourselves, we can we can see that uh, as well. I believe there's one more. All right, uh, with God, all things are possible. So why do we try to play God and figure out the story of Jonah? If God candidly feed, uh, can candidly feed thousands with little food, why is it so preposterous that Jonah was inside a whale? Uh, the whale, to me, represents what, what happens when we operate outside the will of God. Uh, and yeah, again, this is, throughout this story, we see God show, uh, God show his power, God show his control over creation. Uh, we'll see a little bit more uh, in chapter four as well. Um, that God sends the storm, and God sends the fish, and God sends a plant uh, in chapter 4, and, and God demonstrates his control, and really, like, yes, in, in this story, we do kind of have to suspend our disbelief a little bit, and, and and say, okay, I don't fully understand how this is possible, uh, but also recognize that if we truly believe this, if we, if we truly believe that God is who he says he is, we have to recognize that he has the power to do things that are beyond human understanding and, uh, and beyond what we expect to be possible in the natural world. And so this morning, uh, we're going we're gonna to close, and I'm going to invite the, the worship team to come back up this morning. And just as we do, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray here. And, and God, we thank you. We thank you that when we, when we, when we miss the big picture, when we see ourselves and, and, and put the focus where, uh, where it's not in the right place, when we put the focus on ourselves and, and we lose sight of what you are doing, God, we thank you that you use us anyway, that you bring us back, that you continue to call us into the things that you would have us do, that you continue to call us into the, a right relationship with you where we see you and we see the people around us who need to hear about you, who, the people who need to hear your truth, and that you continue to use us even though we're not perfect, even though each one of us is a flawed messenger or a flawed prophet, a flawed person. You continue to use us. So God, we thank you for your grace and compassion that continues to be extended to us, that God, your unfailing mercy is always there for us. So God, we thank you so much for that. And in those moments where we, where we take our focus off of you and put it back on ourselves, God, we ask that you would bring us back to you, that you would correct us and, and get us to put the focus back where it belongs. God, use us despite our brokenness and despite our flaws. We give ourselves to you for you to use us however you want. In Jesus' name, amen.